Talk Back Matters from the Salvos. The World Day Against Trafficking in Persons is July 30. Heather is the National Policy and Advocacy Coordinator for the Salvos to end modern slavery. And she chats a bit about the latest report and the unique service that the Salvos offer to combat the issue. Uh, Well, the Global Slavery Index, uh, which comes out with a report every two years, I believe, just released its 2016 report, um, which estimates that about 4,300 people um, are held in slavery in Australia. Can you define slavery? Um, Well, we use the term modern slavery to capture a range of, um, of crimes. Slavery, by definition, is uh, when, I, I guess, the, the right of ownership is exercised over another person. Um, but we also hear the term, sla- uh, excuse me, uh, human trafficking, which is essentially the, um, the act of recruiting or, or harboring or acquiring a person through force, fraud, or um, coercion. Uh, with the purposes of exploiting them. So people are trafficked into Australia. For instance, you might have exploitation for labor, you might have exploitation for sexual services. Um, In some cases, you would see slave or slave-like marriage, servile marriage, where someone is brought in through a partnership arrangement and essentially is a, um, a slave in multiple uh, forms of the word. They may be a sexual slave to their partner, but they're also treated as a domestic slave within the household. Um, in some some situations, you might even see that person lent out to other um, other people in the in the community for um, for for services. Um, domestic servitude is another um, type of exploitation that we see quite regularly. And um, a significant proportion of the number of domestic workers that we've assisted have actually been exploited within diplomatic um, or consular households, which creates some pretty significant barriers to justice because of the immunity that um, many diplomats enjoy. Um, and we're, we're focused on a, an extensive project with Salvo's Legal Humanitarian to examine um, what avenues are available and, and, and lay out some recommendations for how we can better assist that group of highly vulnerable workers. What are they experiencing in their position? In domestic servitude, we see uh, some pretty horrific abuse, um, everything from verbal and psychological uh, threats to um, physical violence, sexual violence, and really inhumane treatment. We've seen a lot of workers um, be treated really as just second-class or less citizens in the household, um, not given private quarters to sleep in, being expected to be on call day and night, 365 days a year. Um, None of the, I mean, certainly none of the, the standard employment protections that most of us enjoy, such as, you know, leave and weekends and penalty rates and and so on and so forth. So above just the basic industrial relations violations, there's a tremendous amount of physical and and, um, sexual and uh, and psychological humiliation and abuse. Why do the people who commit these crimes do this? Why do they think they can do this? I think in some cases, I mean, that's a question that we often ask ourselves when you see what, what some people have been put through. Um, 
I think in some cases, such as the abuse that I just described, a lot of that is based in um, in racism or classism. Um, and one of the difficult things about that is that the victim may come from a lower echelon of society that accepts that that's their position in society and mm-hmm. that they're so desperate for any money to be able to send home, uh, to send money home to their families that they accept that these are just the conditions that they must bear. Um, but in other situations, like for instance, in labor trafficking and labor, uh, forced labor, I, I hear a lot of attitude. I hear a lot of, um, comments to the effect of, well, no, I'm not paying them a, a fair wage or I'm not, I'm not paying them what, what other Australians would be paid, um, for this work, but it's much better than what they get at home. So there's this gross rationalization of exploitation on the basis that someone wouldn't be able to make as much money if they live at home. But the fact is they're living here in Australia. Yeah, that's right. They're not living in the Philippines. They're not living in in, uh, Indonesia or India or Thailand. Um, And and that kind of exploitation has greater impacts, not not just on the, the workers themselves, but on market wages and undercutting you know, undercutting um, other other workers yeah. who would be um, standing up for a fair wage. So what are the Salvos doing in this area? Well, we're doing uh, quite a bit on both the policy and practical level. Um, we think that the statistics are uh, falsely low in Australia. We don't think the problem is near as large as other countries like the UK or the US, but we certainly think that the problem is, is larger than... Um, than what is currently recognized. And uh, to fix that, we two of our core policy recommendations are to properly fund the National Action Plan to combat trafficking and slavery, which is currently only funded within existing departmental budgets uh, and which which are which have been you know uh, fading significantly over the last few years. Um, our other policy recommendation is to appoint and resource an independent commissioner for trafficking and slavery who can provide some independent oversight over the national framework and ask some of the harder questions, such as, you know, why aren't we identifying more people? Are we doing the right things to find people? What are the barriers and, and how can we fix them? At the practical level, um, we are supporting the development uh, of locally based um, networks of stakeholders from all levels of government and from civil society to raise awareness of the indicators of, of trafficking and slavery um, and to coordinate efforts so that people don't fall through the cracks. How many case studies have, have the Solvos been working on? Do you know figures about that? Well, right now we have currently about 35 to 40 clients on our caseload. Um, on average, I think we we tend to see about 20 to 30, um, 20 new referrals a year. Um, and we see a range of clients from um, different types of visas. Uh, in fact, we even had one um, uh, person who was uh, an Australian citizen. And um, from a range of industries, so I think the, the the highest proportion of our clients historically have been um, from domestic servitude. Um, but since 
forced and early marriage were criminalized in 2013. We've seen a significant increase in that referral in that that um, cohort coming to our service. But we've also helped a lot of um, men and women from other industries such as hospitality and um, massage and uh, and cleaning. Wow. That have been forced to do those things. Yes. I mean, our service is unique in that we can, uh, because the Salvation Army funds it independently, we are able to assist people who are at risk of um, exploitation and slavery. So we've helped people who have both been, uh, who, who have escaped forced labor-like situations, slavery-like situations. Well, we, we're also able to help people who, who are at risk of falling into those kind of conditions. Yeah. How do you, how do you identify um, them being at risk of that? Well, this, um, I guess the best way to describe it is if you look at exploitation on a spectrum, with slavery being at the most ex- severe end, um, if someone's in a highly exploitative work situation, um, where there may be some weak indicators um, of, um, of of exploitation of, of forced labor, um, perhaps they're not quite at that level where I guess it it comes down to when they they feel like they have no longer a choice to leave, and so we're trying to help people get out of the situations and into better situations before they cross that line into really being unable to leave of their own free will. And so to put some more detail to that, you might see um, a person working for um, an employer, perhaps from their own um, cultural community, and uh, maybe this person lacks a lot of viable options, alternatives for other work, and so they feel like they don't really have a choice to work for that employer. But they're not indebted to that employer yet, um, perhaps still a new relationship, so the psychological uh, elements of coercion haven't yet taken root. And so if we can get to that person before they get into a situation where, you know, their employer is making threats against them or their family members, that's, you know, that's what we aim to do. Wow. How complex it is. It is. It is. But I think one of the things that, um, that I, I think we're doing a, a good job at is, is building relationships with other stakeholders in the community who would be likely to encounter a victim of exploitation and slavery, such as unions um, and um, multicultural service providers, and get this, this issue on their radar as well. So they're not just thinking about the people that they encounter through, their, through the traditional lens of their service provision, such as industrial relations. Um, it's about getting people to recognize the indicators and then facilitating dialogue and referrals and capacity building so that more people are identified earlier in the piece. And um, and if someone does encounter an actual case of slavery or slavery-like conditions, they know who to call and there's support there. There's appropriate support there for the person. That's Heather. She's the National Policy and Advocacy Coordinator for the Salvos to End Modern Slavery. If you'd like to contact the department, then email us through our website, salvos.org.au forward slash radio. Light and life. The Salvos Weekly Radio Show.